Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. What a day this has been. I don't know that I've, uh, I've had seven people baptized in one service before. And uh, man, I thank God for that. What a testimony to what our... Uh, our, our We call them our, our next gen team. That's the that's the contemporary language for uh, for what we used to just call you know youth pastors and things like that. But that's our next gen team, and uh, man, they are uh, they are crushing it. And uh, I'm just going to tell you that if you don't have your kids involved and your students involved in our our, our next gen programs, um, they are missing out. And uh, and our Wednesday night program is is incredible. And um, and I'm going to tell you, they're going to need more volunteers if this keeps up. So just know that, that, that it's coming. They're going to start asking eventually. And so just, just know that it's coming. Did you baptize yourself up there? Twice. Twice. I, I thought it looked like at, at one point in time, I, you had, I thought you had waiters on. And so I was really concerned. Just insider thing here, if pastor's wearing waiters in the tub and you get a little too far down, water gets in the waiters. And then you got to have somebody help you get out. Uh, so I was, I was concerned. So, uh, so he, he got out. We're okay. So um, um, when I first saw that, that video in, of, the, of the guy rescuing people in the sand, the first thought I had was, I want that tractor. Um, I mean, trust me, I have absolutely nothing to do with it, but, uh, but that's not the point. I mean, I, that would be incredible to be able to drive around. Uh, my second thought is probably the one y'all are having, like, what happened to the fifth wheel? Um, I mean, that big old Ford was stuck so bad that it, they had to disconnect the fifth wheel to get it out of the, the, the mess there. And so as far as we know, it may just be lost to the ocean. I don't know. Um, I'm not completely sure what these folks were thinking. Um, I, I mean, the vision they had in their mind was probably, it probably made sense. Uh, a beautiful day at the beach, serenaded by the waves, just roll the camper out onto the sand, beachfront living at its best, throw the chairs out, uh, you know, have a, have a great day at the beach, and when you're done, bring your house back in. I mean, it's, it sounds like a great idea, a dream come true. And the man driving the truck, he probably thought to himself, I can get a little closer. I can get a little closer. My truck's not going to get stuck. The tide will never get this close to us. And I'm sure in the passenger seat, there was a disapproving wife warning him, honey, you're too close. Honey, you're too close. Those folks probably just wish they'd stayed in the parking lot. And I'm sure that on Craigslist or Marketplace or something, there was a F-350 with a little bit of rust on the frame that was for sale shortly thereafter. And clearly the tractor driver's happy to have the business. Um, I don't know if you've ever been able to drive on the beach. We took our Jeep on the beach one time in the St. Augustine area, and we had the top down, we had the doors off. I mean, it was the, it was the image of, of a great beach day, and the moment that I realized that there was sand literally everywhere, it made me promise to never, ever drive on the beach ever, ever again. But one of the things you learn if you drive on the beach is that it's always best to drive on the pathway where other people have driven. That's the smart thing to do because the people ahead of you have compressed the sand. They've, they've made a, a road of sorts. They've, they've made a path for you. And if you stay on the path, you're more likely to get through the day without being hub deep in loose sand. 
Now, thankfully, I never needed a guy with a tractor to pull me out, and even if I did, I probably wouldn't tell you at this point in time. We are continuing this series through the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. We'll be in the sixth chapter today. Jeremiah was a prophet. He did his work. He ministered about 600 years before the birth of Christ. The nation of Israel had been ripped apart by civil war generations before, and it was broken into two rival kingdoms. The northern kingdom was known as Israel, and it was destroyed by the Assyrians about 720 years before the birth of Jesus. The southern kingdom was named Judah, had been spared by the Assyrians. But they did not learn from Israel's destruction. God had made it very clear that he was using that nation of Assyria to punish Israel for their rebellion against God's law. But instead of running from Israel's behavior, instead of learning from Israel's behavior, Judah went down a dark pathway of idolatry and decadence. And that is the context by which we find ourselves here in these early chapters of the book of Jeremiah. And as a result of their faithlessness to God's instruction, as a result of ignoring God's command, going their own way, judgment was now at the door of Judah. This time it wasn't the Assyrians, though. It was a nation known as Babylon. Now, Jeremiah the prophet has been pleading with the people, has been pleading with the leaders. They need to abandon their rebellious ways. They need to return to the Lord. But in spite of his repeated warnings about the consequences of abandoning God and and following their own way, the people are perfectly content. They're happy to go their own way, to continue in their rebellion. And this is the 10th week that we've been talking about this, and there's a familiar refrain that's been echoing. And the one thing that's been constant throughout Jeremiah's ministry, even though it took, more, took place more than 2,500 years ago, his warnings to the people of Judah are not lost on us today. Even though we're separated by a great deal of time and space, the text today is still very relevant to us. And in a lot of ways, the text we're going to consider today reminds me of those people that were stuck on the beach. There was a tried and true way to go, but some chose to go a contrary pathway. But when it comes to the things of God, going our own way is a guarantee of destruction. If you've got your Bible open, we're in Jeremiah chapter 6 today. I'll be in, starting in verse 16. It'll be on the screens behind me if you don't have a copy with you. Jeremiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. If you're able, would you stand with me as I read these words from Jeremiah chapter 6, beginning there in verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I said, watchman over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. What use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the instructions that are given to us, and I thank you for a clear pathway that you've given to us. I pray, Father, if there's any here today that are walking a pathway contrary to the one that you've established, God, that today would be a day in which they see that and they would turn to you to follow you. God, I pray for your blessings on the consideration of your word now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, be seated. Yesterday I was with my son and we were sitting in the truck waiting on an online delivery and kind of watching through some, some social media, just trying to kill time, and ran across a video of a guy who was pretending to be a bratty pastor's kid. 
I know it's, y'all, it's hard to pretend to do that. No, this guy was, this guy had the, the full, I mean, he was in full, full mode there. He was, and in the video, he was accusing his dad of using one of these new artificial intelligence engines to write his sermons. And uh, I'm chat GPT or whatever. And so Matthew asked me what my sermon was about today. And so I told him the text that I was going to be preaching on today. And next thing I know, he had produced a sermon outline from Jeremiah chapter six. And he's reading this sermon outline to me. And I, I sort of chuckled as he shared the, the chat GPT AI generated sermon outline with me. And I'll just say this, that it basically ignored the whole context of the book of Jeremiah. And it painted a, a really optimistic picture of a text that's not very optimistic at all. In fact, the words that Jeremiah says here in chapter 6 are, are some of the most sorrowful words that, that we can find in Scripture. These are not good days. These are bad days. This is not a good situation. This is a bad situation. And let's just say that artificial intelligence isn't quite, to the task, quite up to the task yet. But these verses tell a story of a God who constantly pursues a people who constantly reject him. And honestly, it's hard to imagine why anybody would reject God's pursuit, why anybody would, would turn away from a God who's, who's going after them. Why would anybody do such a thing? But history tells us that over and over again, that seems to be our story. That little AI experiment in the truck yesterday kind of tells us the story of our current age. We want to chart our own pathway. We want to go our, our own direction. We don't want to be bogged down by oppressive norms of a time gone by. We want to deconstruct things like faith and family, and we want to reinvent them in a way that, that sounds good to us, but we find no support in these things that are fixed, these things that are, that are given to us from a time gone by. Now, we might think that we're so progressive on those matters today and how we think about these things, but this is the same problem that Jeremiah's people are fighting back in Jerusalem in 600 BC. The people had rejected God, they had rejected his law, and they were reinventing it to suit their own contemporary appetites. If that sounds familiar, it should because it's the exact same thing that's happening today. We're just reinventing it to make it sound more palatable to us today. And Jeremiah, being the prophetic killjoy of a generation, warned and warned and warned to the people to change directions. You can't keep going this way. You can't keep going down this path. But the people refused to listen. And while AI might be able to make up a sermon outline, it knows nothing of true repentance from sinful rebellion. As we turn our attention to our text today, there are four truths that I want you to know. Four truths that I want you to take away from these verses in Jeremiah chapter 6. And the first truth is this. God has established the right pathway for our lives. God has established the right pathway for our lives. Like driving on the beach, there is a pathway that's been traveled and compacted and is safe to use. I know that, that we today, we, there's something about being the first person to do something. I mean, the human race has a history of, of adventurers who, who mapped out a new course, who accomplished a new feat, who conquered a new mountain. And there is something that's inspiring about a, an Edmund Hillary reaching the peak of Everest for the very first time in, in a human civilization, or a Neil Armstrong stepping foot on the moon, first, that, first time that anyone has ever done that. 
We are living in a generation today where we will likely have some brave explorer in the next, in the next decades who will be the first human being to step out of a spaceship onto the surface of Mars. We will likely experience that and we will all watch it. It will be incredible. It'll be a, it'll be a moment that will be galvanized in our minds as we watch that happen. And we are captivated by these kinds of stories. But listen to me, when it comes to matters of faith, there's not much benefit to being cutting edge. Jeremiah says to the people to ask for the ancient paths. That's not a call to sentimentality or an instruction to idolize the past or some time gone by. The old song says to give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. But that's not what the prophet's saying here. He's not asking us to long for a time gone by. What Jeremiah is actually saying here is it's quite practical for us today. If you were going on a journey, you don't really want to set out and create your own way. You want to take an ancient path because that pathway is well-established and, and well-worn. There was an old Latin phrase that said, via trita, via tuta. It says, the worn way is the safe way. Everyone knew where it went. There was safety in being with other travelers. And there were cities and towns along the way that could provide respite. There were no buckies at the exits in these ancient paths. You, you had to go where the people were so that you could find safety and respite. And we don't understand this anymore because we've got Waze and GPS telling us how we should go. If you tell you want to go to a destination and, and it runs the algorithm and it counts all the stops and the red places in the interstate and it's going to tell you the best way that you can go. There have been plenty of times driving in and through traffic that I have welcomed a different pathway. Get off at this exit. Yes, I will gladly take this exit. We were driving through Atlanta not too long ago and the GPS had us get off downtown there at the Georgia Aquarium and I thought it is getting us off the interstate and putting us on surface streets. Atlanta must be locked up tight. But I welcome that. I was ecstatic. I was like, it's gonna save 20 minutes from sitting on the, the stinking interstate there in Atlanta. Prior to GPS, I would have never done such a thing because prior to GPS, the ancient path was known as I-75. And if I were really smart, the ancient path would be called Highway 41 or Highway 27. That path was well-worn. It was well-established. It was well-known. Listen, you can be cutting edge in a lot of things. It was cool. We had baptism on the screens this morning. That was cutting edge for us. We've never done that before. That was really cool. You can be cutting edge in all kinds of things, but when it comes to matters of eternity, you might be wise to pay attention to that which is ancient. Why? Because it's well-worn. It's battle-tested. And I'm thankful smarter people than me have been working through this for exponentially longer than I've been alive, and I'm grateful that those problems and those battles have been fought so that I don't have to. I can go and look to those who are smarter than I am who've been wrestling with these things longer than I have. Today, we think we find out something new. We think we've figured out something that nobody else in the history of the Christian faith has figured out. I wanna tell you something, and I mean this in love. If you think you figured out something that nobody else before you's figured out, that's just arrogance. It's been worked on, figured out, problem solved, troubleshooted. Apologists have had their hands all over it. It's been translated, retranslated. You think you found an error in the Bible? You are arrogant because it's been worked out over the course of 2,000 years. We open our Bibles and we tell the Bible that it's wrong. When in reality, we open our Bibles and the Bible looks at us and says, we're wrong. 
we're wrong. Instead of following the ancient path that's been established by God, we try to cut our own path, and that path contains no guarantees. And Jeremiah is reminding the people of God that they had made, that, that his ways had been known to them and they'd been played on repeat for generation after generation after generation. But in spite of his grace, people still chose their own way. It, it isn't like God established the path in hopes we stumble on it though. Because here's the thing, he's established the path, but he's also actively pointing us towards the right path. He actively directs us to the path. He says in verse 17 that God set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. A watchman was someone who was stationed at an observation post around the city and they were charged with alerting the people inside the city of potential problems or enemies. There's trouble coming. There's, there's, a, there's, there's an enemy at the gate. There's, there's an issue that's coming your way. In Jeremiah's case, the watchmen were the prophets and the prophets were charged with calling the people of God to the right pathway, the biblical pathway. The watchmen were telling the people that danger was coming if they didn't change their ways. God still does this. He still does this through the faithful preaching and teaching of his word. Listen to me. There's a lot of unfaithful preaching today. Had I put the AI sermon yesterday to work today, you would have said that was unfaithful preaching because it was not faithful to the word of God. But the fact of the matter is this. I need you to listen to me today. There are people in this room today are watching from home that you will interact with this week who are walking their own way and they need to hear today that God has a better way. God isn't hoping they trip over the right path. God is using me and God wants to use you to be a watchman and say, here's the right way. Stop going down the road you are on. It doesn't end well for you. These young people that gave their life to Christ over the last few weeks and celebrated by baptism realized that the pathway they were on was going to end in destruction, but there is a pathway that has been paved by God through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that ends in eternal life. Walk that path. The wrong path may provide you with some happiness. It may provide you with some short-lived satisfaction. But it's just that. It ends in destruction. It never ends well. Now, you're welcome to disregard the watchman. But doing so is unwise and perhaps even deadly. God didn't have to provide watchmen. He could have let people learn the hard way. But that is not God's character because God wants you to flourish in a right relationship with him that is informed and guarded by his word. He doesn't want you going your own way because your own way is not in your best interest. He wants you to go in his way, a way that's informed and guarded by his word. He doesn't want you to go your way and perish because God has done everything to keep you from going that way. He's warned you not to go that way. If you choose to go that way, it's because of your own folly. I can almost guarantee you that the beach where those folks were getting stuck probably had its fair share of warning signs. Because what I've seen is every beach you can drive on has got warning signs that say, you probably don't need to come out here in your little Mercedes. Yeah, Four-wheel drive is probably wise to have. Probably shouldn't take your fifth-wheel camper out there. I don't know if that was on the sign or not. But clearly, nobody was there forcing people to obey the warnings. Instead, they learned the hard way about the consequences of disregarding the warning. And in spite of God's grace, the people of Jeremiah's day, they ignored the watchman. But again, God shows he's not finished. He's still pursuing. Because God also warns the consequences of going our own path. 
Judah's rebellion against God had two solutions, repentance or retribution. Only two outcomes, repentance or retribution. God was willing for them to turn back to him. That was the whole point of Jeremiah's ministry, to communicate that to them. It's not too late to turn back. It's not too late to turn back, but they wouldn't do it. Over and over again in these verses, we hear they will not walk in it. They will not pay attention to him. They have rejected the law of God. And so repentance is off the table for them because they refuse to do what God has said. The only other option was retribution. God would bring judgment against these people because they had rejected God's law. They had rejected God's rule over them. There's some folks who'd created a God that was all love but they ignored the fact that a God that is unjust is no God at all. Now, people love the God of love, but they reject the God of justice because a God of love lets them get away with whatever they want, even if that way is paid with sin and folly. The people didn't like the God that Jeremiah proclaimed. He was harsh. Truth be told, he was kind of a buzzkill. But it didn't matter that he had shown himself faithful to these people for generation after generation. Didn't matter that he'd shown himself to be supreme over all the other idols and false gods of the nations. There wasn't a nation that could stand up to him. It didn't matter that he had provided for their needs in so many ways. It didn't matter that God had kept every single one of his promises to the nation. His faithfulness to the people was far less important than the fact that he had sought to restrain their wicked behavior. There continues to be two pathways today. A pathway that leads to life and a pathway that leads to death. God has established this pathway that leads to life. He has pointed us to that pathway through his word. And God continually warns us of the consequences of going our own way. In spite of these warnings, though, there are still those who reject God's invitation and go their own way. The fourth truth is this. God has made it clear that there are no substitutes. There are no substitutes. One of the more foolish things that Judah tried to do, they tried to walk both pathways at the same time. We're told that they, they tried to do the religion of God while following the behavior of the idols. And so they tried to do the church thing while doing the clubbing thing. Like they tried to do both. And, and they realized that, that, that they can't walk both these paths. They gave their offerings, they engaged in worship, but they also did all the deplorable things that God clearly hated. Here's the thing, our religious activity does not hide our hearts from the one who knows us inside and out, forwards and backwards. Let me say that again. Our religious activity doesn't hide our hearts. It's not concealed from the one who knows us inside and out, forward and back. We can do all of the religious activity in the world, but that is no substitute for true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We read this today and we have to recognize we can go to church every time the door is open, but with all that church going, it is still completely within us to be far away from the Lord. We can clock our hour or two in on Sunday and if we're super spiritual, we can show up on Wednesday nights, but those things, as important as I believe they are, are no substitute for true faith in Christ. Now, I believe the Bible clearly affirms that faithful Christians recognize the importance of the body of Christ and faithful Christians recognize that participation in the work of Christ through his church is important. But I believe we have just as clear a warning here that there are plenty of unfaithful people who are trying to use their church time as some sort of cover-up 
for who they are when they're not on the clock here. Again, this is echoed through this entire book. Religious devotion cannot be used as a spiritual good luck charm. Religious devotion is birthed out of a redeemed heart. People who love Jesus gladly serve and worship Jesus. People who do not love Jesus begrudgingly show up to help sell their disguise. And that is a dangerous ruse to maintain. And be warned, God can see right through it. Not fooling anybody. Some of us are here today, and we know in our hearts, not a follower of Christ. You got a ruse. If somebody asks you if you're a Christian and you wouldn't hesitate to declare your allegiance, are you a follower? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I was born a Christian. I raised a Christian. I grew up in church. We hear that testimony over and over again. It breaks my heart to hear that testimony because growing up in church doesn't save you. It exposes you to the gospel and it will give you the opportunity to hear and respond to faith in Jesus, but growing up in church cannot save you. You don't get to the Lord one day and say, Lord, what are you doing here? Well, I grew up in church. Did you do anything with Jesus? Well, no, I grew up in church. You got to do something with Jesus. If you look at your life and you recognize that you're not walking a biblical path, you recognize that you're not driving on the well-worn path. You got your rig parked next to the ocean. And it's just a matter of time before you get stuck. I can't help but hear the writer of Hebrews speak to us today as we bridge the space between these truths from Jeremiah to our modern time today. Hebrews chapter one, verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God spoke to our fathers through Jeremiah. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. We read the words from Jeremiah, and it's not hard to hear Jesus in them. Jeremiah tells his people to walk in the good way, and I can't help but hear Jesus say, he is the way. He is the, not a way, he says, I am the way. You want to know what path to take? It's the path that Jesus paved. It's the path that Jesus paved by dealing with our sin problem. Once and for all, he satisfied God's just requirements against sin by paying for sin with his life. He died on a cruel cross to pay the penalty that was actually charged to our account. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible reminds us that God so loves the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. He has taken care of the problem. He has paved the way for us if we will walk in it. Jeremiah says if they will walk in the good way, they will find rest for their souls. I can't help but hear Jesus here. He says that if we will follow him and learn from him and yoke ourselves to him, he says we will find rest for our souls. Of course, the other side of that's important too. If we don't follow him, if we ignore him, if we don't yoke ourselves to him, we will not find rest for our souls. Jeremiah warns us of the sound of the trumpet alerting the imminent judgment and destruction of the city. And I can't help but hear the promise that there will one day be another trumpet that will sound at the end 
of the age. And those who have followed Christ, the pathway paved for us through the gospel, they will continue that path into eternity. But those who have rejected Christ, who've rejected the offer of salvation, who've rejected to take someone who's walking on a pathway of destruction and set them on a pathway of life, those who've rejected Christ will continue on that pathway and they will find themselves rejected for eternity. You may be tempted to write off Jeremiah's words because they are so distant and they seem so specifically geared towards that group of people. But you can't write off Jesus' words because they're given to each and every one of us today. I don't know what way you're following, but I would invite you today to follow the pathway paved by Jesus. His shed blood on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his conquest of sin once and for all. I would invite you today to turn from sin to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the way in which you make it clear to us, Lord. Thank you, God, that you have not asked us to trip over it, to find it the hard way. But God, you've given us watchmen, you've given us faithful preachers, teachers who are communicating with clarity what your requirements and what your expectations are. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that calls us to walk in faithfulness, calls us to turn from sin and trust in Jesus. Thank you for Jesus being the way that we should walk. I pray that there's any here today who are not walking in that pathway, that they would recognize today that the pathway they're on is not the pathway paid for them by Christ. And that today they would turn from sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the prophet's words and how they continue to speak to us today. We ask and pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.